Welcome back to Kameleon, a podcast about life and growth of the Kikokushijo. Last week, we talked about our relationships with our parents. This week, we will be talking about language. How bilingual are we? And what are the difficulties we face trying to acquire languages simultaneously? So, the first thing I want to ask is what is a mother tongue versus a first language versus a native language? I don't use them interchangeably, but I think I'm using them wrong. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm pretty sure mother tongue and first language is the same thing because mother tongue and first language is referring to the first language you learn and the first language you start to pick up and you communicate、um, with your family with using. So for us, that's Japanese. What about what, what's a native language then? I think native language is a language that you're native in. So maybe you can have multiple. Or, or a better thing would be what is, who is a native speaker of a language? I don't know. I mean, I consider myself native in Japanese and English. So I would consider it as languages that, are, that I'm comfortable using.、Mm-hmm. So, okay, so when I talk about English, I say in the sequence of languages that I learned, Japanese is my first language, but the language that I use first when I think of anything is English, which is why it's my first language and I'm a native speaker because I can, it's a language where I have very, very high proficiency beyond business level English. Okay. But then, but then, oh no, but I say. I say I'm a native Japanese speaker also because it's from my family and I'm culturally J- Japanese enough. And because I acquired it from family, I, get, I do say I'm a native Japanese speaker, even though I don't think I could do business in Japanese, which makes me lower than native, which is lower than and lower than business. Yeah, that's why it's your first language because it's a language that you learned first. Oh, I need to change my resume. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, my English is better than my Japanese, but Japanese will always be my first language because that's the language I use with my family. But for me, I do agree that my mother tongue is definitely Japanese. It, it's a language I learned from my mom, so my mother tongue. And is rooted in the household and the family. And I didn't learn English formally until nursery school when I was two. And it's, you know, we, in, in nursery school, two year olds can barely speak anyway. So I was kind of thrown into this little nursery school where we would be learning about shapes and colors and songs. And, and so it didn't really matter that. My English level was perhaps lower than a, a couple of the other kids.、Um, but I, I do suspect that my sister, who's five years older, would have been singing songs in English, or my mom would have put on some English TV programming, maybe. Because、mm-hmm. you were born in Singapore, right? So you were exposed culturally to the idea of English from a very young age.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm imagining I went to some like. Play with English 
sort of programs or watch some TV like that. Uh, my babysitter or nanny, I'm not really sure. I think she was a babysitter. She's, she only spoke English, so she spoke English to me. And I, I, I don't know when we started with her, um, but I'm guessing, you know, I was exposed to English a little bit before preschool. So yeah, I guess like we can both establish that our starting with, I, our encounters with English is pretty blurry because I guess I officially started learning English when I was two and a half years old because I was put into an international school in Japan, but it was one of those loose international schools that a lot of people still spoke in Japanese. So a lot of teachers would still interact with you in English and Japanese. So it didn't feel like a full English experience. So and before that, my mo mom tried to sprinkle in a lot of English by making me watch like um, English TV shows on those huge cassettes. Did you ever mm -hmm. have those? Yeah. 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 Or TV channels on NHK or, you know, or what do you call it? Like our national broadcast company. Um, let's play with English. So, you know, there's a lot of like English learning opportunities there. But I guess I officially started learning and being exposed to English like properly when I was around five years old when I went to Singapore for the first time. So I guess for both of us, our school language was both English. And so formal education started in English. And we now had like a language that we had inside the home and then outside the home. Yeah. And for me, you know, for because I learned Japanese first and then I had to learn English, I'm going to be honest, I don't know what it was like to learn English and how it became my dominant language because I was so little, like I was two. Mm. And I, there's this very cute video of me singing we wish you a merry christmas when i was like three or four <laughs> and i was already fluent to that age level by then so i think language acquisition for me was really fast and i didn't i had no effort required on my part at all yeah i i agree um it wasn't too confusing transitioning to um an all english environment at school because I was so exposed from a very young age. So I don't remember struggling to make any friends, um, struggling to communicate with my teacher if anything was bothering me. Because, yeah, babies are so simple-minded. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I do think the two of us are, are so lucky in having our second language come to us so easily because we were so young, um, my heart goes out to all of my friends or people who aren't my friends who became kaigai shijo, so like they were living abroad, or, or immigrant families or refugee families who have to learn English from really not knowing any English, maybe they know the alphabet and like the numbers and the colors, to learning it while they're beyond eight, I think, is when they say is, is the threshold for acquiring language to be native or highly, highly fluent. So, yeah, it's like, I just think yeah. we're so lucky. And especially with pronunciation as well. It's so much easier when you learn earlier 
So I guess we've both established that English was so easy to come to us. It was pretty easy um, to come around for us. I appreciate the environment that I grew up in. Um, but so I guess our challenge was kind of trying to maintain our Japanese level to the level that we have it now. How did you start to learn Japanese? Formally? Yeah. Well, so I had my parents who are you know, Japanese, native Japanese speakers. We spoke Japanese in the house. Um, and then their friends and their friends' children who I got to hang out with. Um, there are these television programs. I don't know. I don't even know what it's called. Like home learning programs called Shimajiro and Korasho um, that send videos and little workbooks and maybe a little science experiment to work on at home. Um, and so that was kind of for some families who live, some Japanese families who live abroad, um, continue their Japanese education only using those types of books. Maybe they would transition from something like Korasha into something a little bit more formal and difficult, but I just stuck with this little bunny thing. Um, but I started at Hoshuko, which is like a Saturday Japanese school um, when I was five, when I lived in New York. So Hoshiko is basically a normal school that happens on Saturdays. Kind of, yeah. For the most part, yes. It do. So Hoshikos exist around the world and there's most likely one in most countries um, in a lot of the really big cities like Los Angeles or... Washington DC or New York, there's more than one for that city. Um, but in general, it's on Saturdays and it would be maybe just in the morning, it would be morning to the afternoon um, and kids would learn the Japanese curriculum, the national curriculum in Japanese and math for a lot of them. Some hoshikos only focus on Japanese, which is called kokugo, or some only focus on just Japanese language and Japanese culture. Other ones focus on Japanese math, uh, social studies, and science. So there's a lot of variation between a lot of them. But the one that I started with in New York was the first type that I explained. So it was just in the morning for um, any kids under, I think, like the age of 13. Um, and then we would learn Japanese and math every single Saturday for many, many, many years, as long as you're there. Mm-mm. I mean, I definitely have the option to go to Hoshuko Saturday School um, because they, there were Hoshukos in um, Singapore. So I'm not really sure why my parents didn't put me into Hoshuko because that would have made it so much easier for me to learn Japanese Um, because the way I learned Japanese or tried to maintain my Japanese academically is my mom teaching me Japanese um, using textbooks she bought from the bookstore. Um, I also it also helped that I had a lot of Japanese friends in my condominium complex because 
a lot of families from my dad's company um, lived in the same condominium. So I made friends pretty easily there, a lot of Japanese friends. But yeah, mostly in terms of my formal Japanese education, it was by my mom, really. I've, so for me at Hoshuko, I was able to make friends as a four or I think I, I started at five. So as a five-year-old that I would keep year by year or maybe they'd be a new student and I'd make friends at, you know, eight, nine, ten, whatever. And at the first one that I went to, they actually had a rule where we weren't allowed to speak English as long as we were in there. So we had to speak in Japanese. And I guess some of that might be a little bit of a slightly lower bar than maybe what some families want. Um, but we had homework every single week. It was so much homework. Like, it's for, especially for the second Japanese school that I went to, I, I switched schools when I was in the fifth grade, so I was like 10 or 11. And that one was super intense where a child who went to that school on Saturdays could be shipped off to Japan the next day and be totally fine integrating back into the school curriculum, at least. Um, and, you know, I missed so many birthday parties, so much soccer. I could have been on a travel soccer team, but I wasn't allowed to because I had to go to Japanese school on Saturdays. And I was pretty mad about that. Oh, but it definitely did help you in the whole acquiring Japanese language skills, didn't it? I think so. Yes, so I had structure and a teacher that knew what age level is supposed to learn what. Um, and, and it was really great how, because we learned math, I was always super ahead of my regular school, Monday through Friday, in, you know, with all of my American friends. So... I was always either at the top of the class or at the second or third spot and very angry that I wasn't at the top. Um, but the thing that made it super difficult was kanji, which is Japanese characters. It's so incredibly difficult to learn. And I, it's, I, don't, I can't even describe it. It's like, it's so much memorization, straight up memorization. And... It's not just the straight-up memorization. You had to understand the context, which I know that I, now that I'm saying it, it makes a lot of sense that you have to know the context of what you're trying to say to write the thing. But for example, the word or sound, shou, can be written in, I'm not kidding, 50 different ways, in 50 different kanji. And that's really difficult for me and I was really frustrated. So my parents, you know, they kind of, at first when I was really young, they would be really adamant that I do all of the homework and make sure I really understood the concepts. But as we stayed in New York longer and we weren't sure if we were going to move back to Japan at all or where we'd be going next, they loosened up on me doing my homework and truly keeping up with the schoolwork. Um, instead, they let me go on Saturdays for the value of making friends and keeping Japanese as something positive in my life uh, until 
the end of eighth grade or ninth grade. Middle year three, so I think ninth grade, uh, which is when um, compulsory education ends in Japan. So I got to have the advantage of attending a formal school, but the the privilege to not really have to do anything. And I, I do sometimes regret not taking it too seriously because it does limit my employment options in Japan if I were to look, go back um, or any bilingual positions here in America because I can't read and write enough for business um, or to read a newspaper really. I can understand the general gist of it but that's one thing and then also because I'm I live in the U.S. still during the school year during university I don't speak Japanese at all. My family and I, we don't really call. I'll call them maybe once a month to check in on my little brother and my dog. So that'll be the only time that I might speak Japanese, but my mom wants me to speak in English to my brother. So my Japanese goes way down during the school year, but during school breaks, Yuka and I work at this summer camp or winter camp or spring camp in Japan and there's a lot of um, Japanese English speakers and the kids that I work with speak Japanese and I speak Japanese to them also and so my Japanese skills go up every single school break when I'm when I'm back in Japan working with these kids hanging out with new friends and interacting with Japanese people in in the society. That's kind of funny, because when I go to that camp, my English skills actually, I mean, not my English skills, my Japanese skills actually deteriorate, because I'm only using, like, kiddie Japanese skills, kind of Japanese that you'll use to talk to little kids. Everyone who comes to the camp as a staff can speak English as well, so I end up speaking in, like, a mixture of a lot of languages. I really love Japanglish. I guess... You wouldn't get it because you didn't have anybody to speak Japanglish with because you learned Japanese from your mom. You know, I got to speak it with my friends that I made at school even though we weren't supposed to speak English. Yeah, I mean, I guess in that sense I wasn't able to experience that full Japanglish thing. But actually... You're wrong. I do appreciate Japanglish, but it is true that that because I was homeschooled, I didn't exper- get to experience Japanglish growing up. And... Going back to my point about being homeschooled, I think it made it pretty hard for me to acquire Japanese because when it's your parents telling you to do things, especially when it feels like it's forced, it's very hard to learn under those circumstances. Because I think I mentioned in the relationships episode, but it kind of, I was like, you can't even help me with my English work that I'm struggling with at school. Why are you trying to force on me this completely new thing that I didn't feel like I needed in that time. And I, looking back, I do appreciate it because after a few years, I went back to Japan and now my problem was trying to maintain my English skills because I went back to Japan when I was seven years old, seven, eight, seven years old. So trying to maintain my English skills while going to public, public school in Japan was pretty tough for me. Mm-hmm. So how did you maintain Japanese or how did your mom teach you the material while you lived in Singapore? And then 
How did you manage to not forget English while you were living in Japan? Like, you had to do it both ways, both times. Yeah. I mean, end result, fast forwarding to 2020, I think I did manage it towards the end. But I think during the process of trying to manage Japanese and then going back to trying to manage English and then trying to go back to managing Japanese, it was very stressful for me because... When I came back to Japan the first time, I was kind of, I was a little bit behind on my Japanese skills. Socially, I think I was fine, but in terms of, in terms of like my Japanese kanji skills, yes, my mom did teach me, but I didn't learn it properly and thoroughly, Um, especially in subjects like history or something. I didn't learn historical Japanese words, so it was really hard for me. So I was playing catch up um, in Japanese and I was putting all my energy putting playing catch catch up in Japanese that my English started to deteriorate and I did go to um like an English school in Japan mm-hmm. one of those like once a week kind of things but that didn't really help because I sucked at reading books and I think books are the key to maintaining a language and I di- I can't sit still for long enough to read a f- book so my English just deteriorated and then I go back to Singapore and I get put into an international school and it's like the -hmm. reverse happens I'm trying to maintain my well my mom's trying to maintain my Japanese skills while I try to catch up yeah you don't have time for Japanese you have to focus on catching up for your yeah exactly yeah so I'm like playing catch up to try to catch up to all my peers on English and then again I come back to Japan and the same thing happens I'm trying to maintain my English and Blah, blah, blah. So I think what I'm trying to say is that I guess growing up, I just felt like I was mediocre at both languages constantly. And I guess it's something that I still feel like to this date because a lot of people still assume that English isn't my native language. And in one aspect, they are right in the sense that English is not my first language. Yes, but it is the language that I am most confident in. So I want that to sound like a native, I want my English to sound like a native, but because of the way I talk, maybe my pronunciation, the fact that I make a few grammar mistakes while I talk sometimes, people just assume it's not my native language. And then, I mean, this might be just be saying that I'm just a bad speaker in general. In any language? Yeah, in any language. But I just, I'm kind of jealous of you because although your Japanese isn't as good as mine, you have a language that you've perfected and you are at the level of a native speaker. And I just want that in a well, way. Let me ask you this. What do you think a native speaker of English or Japanese sounds like? I don't know what they necessarily sound like, but I think I just, I feel like a native speaker, nobody should, as a native speaker, nobody should question your language abilities. Whereas Throughout university, I was questioned, um, especially when it came to my assignments and stuff. I remember in my first year of university, I submitted a piece of writing and one of the comments came back as, it's pretty obvious that your um, English is not your first language, but you got to try to do this to make it sound better. And yeah, it was problematic, and I think it's just kind of like a wake-up call to be like, come on, Yuka, you gotta be 
at the level of a native speaker at some language, one way or the other. Um, and after completing three years of university, I think I can confidently say that my English is my main language, but I still don't feel as fluent. You know, I still have to really think sometimes. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is a native speaker is one that has enough command of a language to be able to use it in virtually any scenario, except for maybe when talking about a very precise thing in it, where experts would have specific vocab. Am I, did, did I get that yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I see, I see. But I think you can become a native speaker, and I think a lot of people would disagree with that, but especially with English, it is a language of the colonizer, you know? There's so many ways and to ways to learn English, ways to speak English. Because I don't think it's just command of the language use that people are thinking about. It's also what words are best to use in certain scenarios, what are the cultural contexts, what's appropriate to say when this happens compared to this, what are the subtle differences between these two words. But if you compare British English to American English compared to Irish English compared to Australian English, it's very different, you know. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I definitely see what you mean. You are right. I think the fact that my English was totally acquired um, in an international school up until I went to um, the UK for university, I guess... I didn't feel like my English was so... I didn't feel like I was a native speaker because I was speaking in a very different way than a lot of other people. Whereas you live in America right now and nobody... You know, you're Asian looking, but there's a lot of Asian people in America. So nobody assumes that you're not American in a way. I mean, you're not, but nobody assumes that Mm-hmm. English is not your main language. They're, maybe they're surprised that you speak Japanese. Maybe. I guess, yeah, I, I'm so nasally and monotone where <laughs> I, I do sound like an American. and You're Very American. But I, I do think you, someone can have a really, really good ear and be able to pick up on exactly how they should use their lips and their tongue to make the sounds that I make, even though they might not Mm. understand the subtle differences between certain words. So, I but I I do have to say, in my two years living in an international, living in an international school, going to an international school, there were slightly lower standards in grammar for essays that I submitted than essays that I submitted for my public school in New York, for example. Um, But I also think at university, the writing standards and the grammar actually isn't looked at too, too much. And it's more similar to an international school from what I see because in, in New York, my English teachers there were so strict about where exactly you put your adverb compared to the verb or where you put 
you know, the comma and what type of comma you're putting in and, and being able to like identify like all of the theory behind the grammar. So I, I personally think like not, there are so many Americans who are native speakers who don't have that sort of strict grammar abilities. And so I, I also don't think that's a criteria to be a native speaker because again, you're speaking and that's writing and reading, but I do think there is an international school student accent. So hear me out. The L and the R sound that you make. Yeah, my pronunciation is pretty distinct. A lot of Americans think I have a British accent, and then a lot of British people think I have an American accent. So wherever I go, I sound like something that I'm actually not, which is kind of funny. So I guess I've had difficulties kind of with both languages, but I guess you aren't that great at Japanese in a way. Hey! (laughs) Because you can't read kanji properly, you can't write. So do you wish that you had like progressed your Japanese a little further? Well, I think my Japanese pronunciation is pretty good. But... Yes, I will give that to you, yeah. Reading and writing, I don't know. I guess... I do think I wish I was able to read and write enough to maybe get a job in Japan to open up a couple more doors. Speaking-wise, yeah, I do think I wish I had a little bit more ability so that I can pass on Japanese to my children, because I don't think I'm there right now. Oh, I think you're there to pass on your English, I mean, not your English, to your Japanese to your kids, because you work so well with the kiddos at camp that... I think you're, like, up till about 10 years old, you'll be able to educate them yeah. fine. I think beyond that, you might have a little bit They're of a difficulty. Have... But then you can just chuck them into Saturday school or something, right? They're going <laughs> to have funky grammar, 100%. But hopefully I'll be rich enough to be able to send them to Saturday Japanese school for a little bit. Um, but for me right now, I have difficulty maintaining Japanese, much less progressing it. So I've got to... If I really want to improve it for the sake of employment or my beautiful children in the future, then I've got to really, really put in the work. Yeah. I mean, I guess because whenever I was in Singapore, I had a difficult time caring for Japanese language. I just felt like I was good enough that I didn't need it. I, I was like, English is what's going to make me super cool. English is all I need. You know, just... Just because English is technically a universal language that I just think from a young age, I could only care for English. So I had a difficult time caring for Japanese, and I don't know, I don't know if you ever cared for Japanese. For a little bit when I was, I don't know, 11 or 12, I was very anti-Japanese. <laughs> I was, I didn't want to do, I didn't see any point in learning any of this. I was going to live in America but now I, I so appreciate going to Hoshiko or even if I didn't, just being bilingual, you know, to the extent that I am, is such a privilege and, and you know, J- Japanese is only spoken in Japan. I think, f- you know, if I was bilingual in French, bilingual in Spanish, I would have more countries that I can go to and communicate with people. Um, but even though Japan is only limited to this tiny island, I think Japanese 
the, you get to learn the culture through the language. And also Japanese has some really cool words. Like there is no way to fully be able to encapsulate some, what some of the words mean through translations. Like there's no good translation for fua fua or mochi mochi or like neba neba or bosa bosa or shari shari. Like you have to be... Like onomatopoeias. Yeah, you have to be able to understand Japanese almost to a native level to understand what these mean because you are not going to find these in a textbook for, you know, business Japanese. And I think these words are really funny because they're so weird. They're just random combinations of letters. And I think finding them funny is also very unique to people who understand both Japanese and another language. So, because just taking one of it as an example, like neba neba, um, it's supposed to kind of refer to what a natto feels like, but nobody else around the world really knows what natto feels like. So, I guess you could say it's like okras, you know, like an okra or like lady fingers or whatever you call them, but it's that stringy, slimy feeling, but it's supposed to sound delicious. Neba neba is the onomatopoeia for slimy. If you were to give that a sound or a feeling, because it's not just the sound, it's also how you feel about it. Yeah. How, like, you know, you smell it, how you touch it, how you see it. So interesting. Yeah. And there's a lot of other words other than onomatopoeias that are, that you just can't translate directly to English which are so and these words are so useful such as gambare it's something like when you want somebody to really work hard you know somebody's running a race and it's like good luck like you got this like go yeah, go go all encapsulated in that one word yeah gambare. I really like the word shoganai no ginger because <laughs> so depending on how you say it how you write it it can mean no ginger or there is nothing you can do about it or like Like, it is what it is the second part yeah it is what it is there's nothing you can do about it i think that whole sentence encapsulated into one word is so cool it's so concise i really like it or the daijoube means everything is going to be all right you know another sentence made into one word yeah well i guess japanese is pretty fun and i think this frustration of not being able to translate one language to the other is like a frustration that a lot of bilinguals feel so i guess another aru aru which i explained last week is something that's like common kikokushijo traits um common third culture good traits whatever um is like when i'm in japan a lot of people are like, ah, Nihongo Jo's desne, which translates to, you're so good at Japanese. And then I have to go kind of explain that I am actually Japanese, but sorry, my Japanese isn't up to the standard that a normal Japanese would look sound like. But then also, this, this the other way around frustrates me more when I'm in the UK or something. Oh my God, you're so good at English. Like, you are so good at pronouncing things like yeah or like as soon as i tell somebody that i'm japanese and i'm speaking english 
a lot of people just can't put those two together. Like, oh, how are you Japanese and speaking in English? Well, on that hot topic, I think we should wrap it up. And、uh, Yuka, what are we talking about next week? So, next week, we will be talking about socialization. And socialization with Japanese communities.、Um, so, in my example, I'll be talking about trying to come back to Japan and trying to fit into the Japanese schools. And for Karan, you'll be talking about trying to fit into Japanese Saturday schools. Okay, so this wraps it up. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Bye!